0: Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I'm Tyler. Joining me, as always, is the tall man himself, Smitty. Uh, <laughs> be sure to go follow us wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it be Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcast. I threw myself off a little bit. Uh, and yeah. leave us a rating as well. Um, also, go subscribe to our YouTube. We're posting reels there, which are new thing to us. Um, but we're trying to grow that up a little bit. So give us a subscribe, like our videos, leave some comments on things you'd like to see, as well as also uh, we have fundraisers coming up, and they've been ongoing as you have seen over the past few days. If you live under a rock or if you're on social media, Mariah Carey is miraculously back, which means we're getting closer to Christmas time, and she's <laughs> back whether we like her or not. Um, I'm, I'm personally one of those people that say, okay, Christmas time is uh, after Thanksgiving, but you know, Same. neither here nor there for us, Christmas technically starts in July when we launch our rocking around the 412 fundraiser, which has been going on. And so we need all of your guys' help. We're trying to get the word out there still this year um, for our fundraiser where we're trying to raise a bunch of money to be able to get the gifts, gifts that we want to get for kids that they want and be able to provide Christmas that Smitty and I had growing up for a bunch of families. Um, we still have probably about like a month and a half left for the fundraiser going and we've, we've, we've raised some money, but we still aren't, aren't close to our goal. We want to get closer to our goal, raise as much money as possible because the more money means more kids that can get gifts. Also, speaking of kids and one of the recipients for the fundraiser or our fundraiser rocking around the 412. Also another GoFundMe going on right now is Isla Keen's future. Um, I'm sure many of you heard, uh, like a month ago. Uh, Dalton Keene passed away tragically at the Steelers games and he left behind his two-year-old daughter. Now there's a fundraiser going on for her future. It's currently a little over $33,000, which is great to see, but we'd love to see that go higher and higher. Um, So uh, just like the Rockin' Around the 412, both of those links for the GoFundMes will be in the description of this show on the podcast platform and on YouTube as well. So you can find the links there. Uh, our Rocket Around the 412 link is also our pin tweet on Twitter. And you can go to GoFundMe.com for both of these. The Rockin' Around the 412. You just search Rockin' Around the 412 Year Five, I believe, is also in the title. And you'll be able to find that there. And then as long as well as Isla Keene's Future, that's the other GoFundMe that we're trying to push as well.
1: Very good. I think you covered everything uh, about two and a half minutes into the show. So great. Uh, I don't want to just skip over the fact that you started off by saying the tall man himself. (laughs) Uh, Legitimately in my life, I've never been introduced that way, so that's a first. Um, But I will say, you know, closer to six foot than five foot, so I'm basically six foot tall. That's the way I like to look at it.
0: By like an Um, inch.
1: (laughs) So that's the way I like to look at it. Zach and I say the same thing to each other. Shout out Flash. Like and subscribe. Um, Yeah, what a clown
0: for trying to get on his tippy toes when you're taking a picture with him.
1: I know ridiculous um but all right let's talk about the Steelers who uh lost to the Eagles in the last game that they played oddly enough Shocker. time of recording this right now the Eagles are playing another football game and Houston's putting up much more of a fight than the Steelers did uh in that game um you know on the surface what were your takeaways from this game because we can dive into both sides of the football um and we obviously have a, a trade to talk about in a little bit too but just on the surface what were your main takeaways from this game
0: Uh, offense is continues to be really bad. Um, the main things from the offensive side of the ball were, I think this was probably Kenny Pickett's worst game as a starter for the Steelers. Um, there was, there was definitely a lot wrong with, with his game as well as Najee Harris. The, The play that comes to mind, especially with Najee is that one where he, he, he caught the pass and then just stopped. And, yeah
1: he literally started doing a, a tick tock basically as soon as he caught the football yeah
0: and... he started doing some high kicks um yeah so so like those are the, that's the play that sticks out for Najee, but just those two I think had really bad days overall um the offense in general did but what else is new I'm just trying to think of specifics for the offense for this game and then for the defense I mean Jalen hurts I didn't expect to have the day that he did at least through the air I, I expected him to do more on the ground. he he didn't have to do
1: anything on the ground. Yeah, he didn't
0: have to do anything on the ground. And A.J. Brown, he torched our secondary the entire game, especially in that first half. Mm -hmm. Um, Tough look for Minka on some of that and and the rest of the secondary. But overall, this I'm trying to think of what is a worse effort overall, this or the Bills game, because I feel like one of these two are probably the worst games of the season so far.
1: Yeah. So the thing is though, like, I know it's hard to say that, that I was able to take positives away from a 35 point loss, but I felt better about the Buffalo game than I did about the Philly game. Like to me, there was really no redeeming qualities about that game against Philly. Like Cam Sutton, I thought played okay. Um, Pat Fryermuth was all right, but it's like, man, you're really grasping for straws to find positives to take away from that football game. Uh, that. Kicker that they had to use Nick Shiba. You know he was all right. He made his kicks. I think that was actually what you tweeted me. That back. was what I said. Looking uh, for yeah.
0: positives. Uh, he he was two two of two on field goals and one of one yeah. on extra points or whatever. So, right.
1: So, I mean, but really when you're talking about individual performances and you can only pick out like a couple, yeah, you're really grasping for straws. So it'll be interesting to see. This is the first time, time I'm taking a look at these, what Sarge sent me, because Sarge's Steelers notes are back this week with him just with it being a one o'clock kickoff and him watching at home. We actually got some Sarge's Steelers notes. So we'll right, dive into that the room. and see what he thinks. Uh, do the Steelers know that you are allowed to not run on first down every time? No, I don't think so the Steelers need to do jump ball drills on defense for an entire practice. Their ball skills have tanked. Yeah. I, so like the one, and here's the thing too. And I want to talk about this more because obviously like it can kind of segue into one of the two deals that the Steelers made, but Akella Witherspoon up until this point, like was kind of up and down. I know he was banged up to and, and missed three games. Uh, but what a statement for them to make for them to pull him from the game put James Pierre out there and then to make a trade for another corner afterwards. So I think that's yeah. pretty indicative of how the team feels about Akella Witherspoon going forward, but even yeah, with I mean, they dropped four interceptions against Miami. This definitely has been a trend. There's a reason they're defensive backed, but it's been even bad for them. Uh, Cause you're not talking about just not picking the ball off, even just like plays on the football to break up a play. They haven't right. been able to. Do that.
0: Right. And that's why I make it to Minka earlier. Just like that first touchdown to AJ Brown. That's normally a play that Minka makes.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, can we please stop with running a screen every drive? It doesn't work consistently enough to run them so often. The ones that drive me absolutely nuts are the tight end screens. Um, but I mean, yeah, in general, they've done You mean where
0: Zach Gentry gets a yard.
1: Yeah. And that's the other thing too. Like, it's not even fire me when they do these tight end screens and Zach Gentry. (laughs) Right. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're rolling it out there way too often. It's almost like the, and I'm, I'm literally going through this in real time. So I don't know if he mentions it later. I know he's talked about it a ton already. But like on the sweeps and you know wide receiver handoffs, those are also becoming way too frequent we like you're not throwing anybody off when you do it mm-hmm. um at least Kenny looks confident shows that he doesn't seem to let mistakes rattle him so yeah it's interesting because like I I don't know if if we're going to talk about it at all I just didn't have it in our notes but it just kind of put it in my mind now reading this like Bill Cower was talking about the situation he feels like the St- Steelers have handled this. Kenny Pickett thing poorly going back to the time that they put him in how many times he's throwing in every game just really the whole situation with how they're handling Kenny Pickett um and he's worried that it's gonna rattle his confidence which is basically you know the the same question or a point that Sarge is bringing up here but he's saying the opposite and to say that I agree with Sarge over Bill Cowher is certainly something and Bill (laughs) Cowher obviously very successful coach he knows football more than I could ever hope to um But if there's one thing that I feel really good about with Kenny Pickett, it is what Sarge is saying here. I don't think he's the type of guy that mistakes are going to rattle him. He did throw no touchdowns and 20 interceptions, and the next time he takes the football, he thinks he's going to lead his team down for a touchdown drive. Like To me, confidence will never be a question with Kenny Pickett. That's just how I feel about him watching so many of his – literally every game that he played at Pitt. Um, But, I mean, that could just be me. I just don't see confidence ever being an issue for him.
0: I don't either. And that's part of the reason that I wanted him to be the quarterback whenever they made the switch is to me, Mitch didn't seem like the confident quarterback. And I knew despite whatever the talent of play you were going to get from Kenny Pickett, I knew Mm -hmm. you were going to get that confident quarterback. And even on Sunday after that Eagles loft where that was definitely Kenny's worst game and worst performance so far he still had that attitude and mindset of I- I'm, I'm going to work at this. I'm going to get better and I-, I need to be better, but he still had that-, that confidence around him. And so while I didn't like what I saw from him on the field, based off of his attitude and how, what he was saying after the game, I was still fine with it. And I, I think his mindset's in the right place. I'm not really worried about that- him losing confidence whatsoever. He's just the type of guy that I, I don't see that happening. I- I- and I-, I think that that's, what's going to drive him to improve off of sunday for sure
1: yeah um and we're gonna talk way more about kenny pickett when we start getting deeper into this game but yeah uh a Derek watt touchdown in this economy that was matt canada's probably best play call of the season i would say um completely threw me off i i thought it was like a super almost what we were just talking about like i figured it was just claypool getting the ball in an end around on a running play but then to see him actually throw the ball and us find out that he's left-handed had no clue that that was the case no um, idea yeah, so probably Matt Canada's best play call of this season, maybe as a Steelers offensive coordinator, honestly, and that's that's saying something.
0: Yeah, and jumping the gun on another topic, that that play call it might be the reason we got the Bears' second-round pick for Claypool. <laughs> it's I... true.
1: Uh, Cam <laughs> Sutton might lead the NFL in almost INTs. Cam Sutton, like, kind of under almost the radar. Almost INTs. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's kind of flying under the radar, but he's having a really nice year. I mean – if you're talking about the Steelers' best players on defense, it is it's hard to say anybody over a guy like Cam Hayward. Like, even though the production isn't showing up week in and week out on the box store, like I don't know where this defense would be if he was also out. When TJ does come back, you expect that like we're gonna see those numbers start popping up the pressures, the sacks because he's gonna open that up a lot more. But like behind Cam Hayward, I, I think then you're having a conversation between like Minka and Cam Sutton, maybe Terrell Edmonds. Like, I think Cam Sutton really has been that good this year. And when you've gotten <laughs> what you've gotten from Akello and from like Levi Wallace has kind of been up and down, too. He's been OK. I'd say he's probably been more OK than not. But Cam Sutton has definitely been their most consistent corner. And I think that that's somebody that I would expect them to try to extend again. You know, he only got that short extension the last time, right. two years. So uh, it's so frustrating seeing teams actually try and get yards on third and long because once the Steelers get to about third and 15, they just run a draw and call it a day. Yeah, they, uh, I would say anything beyond like third and 10, they're probably just, and it depends, I guess where they're at on the field too, because if they're kind of in like no man's land anyway, and they can look at it like a two down situation where they're going forward on fourth, regardless, then it's probably a little bit different, but I do agree that a lot of the times it, it, it just seems like the Steelers are punting on third down. They might as well just kick it away because they're playing for about six, seven yards just to get them a little bit better field position to then punt it. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely see where he's coming from with this, but I think field and position plays.
0: Even if they do throw it, how often are they throwing it beyond the sticks on those downs? I, I feel well, like it's always under the underneath the sticks.
1: That's definitely a conversation that's going to come up again when we talk about this game specifically because of uh, Kenny Pickett's passing chart from this game. Uh, why are Tony and Jim sitting elbow to elbow in the booth? So, okay, nothing on the game on this comment. Elbow to elbow in the booth. I, I don't know. Sarge, great observation. Uh, A.J. Brown with a Randy Moss-like stat line today. Not
0: great. Yeah, well, he ended you know, up having – It was great for one of to... my fantasy teams. So that's what yeah. I said. D- during the game, I'm like, it's bittersweet because, sure, the Steelers are losing. But I also had Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, and Dallas Goddard. So, I mean, how bad is it? How bad really is it, you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> having more penalties than third down conversions in a half can't be good. It is not – uh, I am never not going to laugh when an announcer says a big sack. Sarge,
0: you're really, starting,
1: you're really starting to threaten the integrity of this program with comments like this. Did the very Steelers make the refs comment. mad or something? That's three calls against them that didn't exactly seem to be very good calls. Refs suck. It's the NFL. Jenny just said, come on, we're so close. We're down 18. There definitely was a point in this game <laughs> what was it like they were down i think they were down like they were down 11 maybe at one point and they had the ball at the phillies like 40 and i was like man if they can get points here but they didn't and then it got out of hand yeah um i absolutely do not like being the team losing when romo is on the call some of the things he says stings a little too much well it's funny because i i actually so Romo's called the Buffalo game too, oddly enough, like the two biggest blowouts that the Steelers have had against them this year. Yeah. And he finds a way I feel like to make it seem like the Steelers are just one or two plays away from getting back into the football game every single time. Like, he'll be like, I don't know, Jim, it's not over yet. If they can get it here. Like, no, that's,
0: (laughs) I think that's part of the reason why he is like one of the top color commentators because he keeps the show business in it as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: See, yeah, people aren't big Romo fans anymore. Like after that first year, I I still like him. I like him.
0: I I, I just think people need to look past like he, no color commentator always needs to be completely blunt about everything. They're going to make it better for the 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 natural or the the intermediate viewer that doesn't really have a stake in the game and make it more exciting.
1: Yeah, they don't want you changing the channel. Yeah. Like they're they're supposed to keep you right there. Uh it really or it does not even look like Dotson is trying to block hardgrave. Javon Hardrave will do that too. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this is one of the dog, top, yeah, top five guys at his position. He's gonna get paid again this off season. Former love stealer, to the in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I just really miss watching a team I was confident in winning every week. Yeah, like even in um, 2018, just because even though they didn't make the playoffs that year and finished
0: 500. <laughs> I was going to say, this, like, is, this, is, this is going back a few years if he's confident in winning every week. Unless you're yeah. counting 2020 where that 11-0 was one of the biggest frauds well, in football.
1: Yeah, like, oddly enough, in 2020, even though they started out 11-0, and 0, I wasn't, like, that confident about them winning every single week. They were just doing it. Like, they were right. finding a way to win football games. In 2018, because of the offense that they had, you know, Ben leading the league in passing, everything like that, they were still able to score 30-plus points. I was feeling good about those teams going into every single week, even though that team missed the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I wish the team had a little bit of spunk. Nice word. I don't even know who to be mad at at this point, just bummed out. It's everything. I mean, literally, like, you don't even have, and maybe the defensive side of the football, not maybe, you're going to see a better defense. But when TJ comes back and DeMonte KZ comes back and they can start doing some different things on defense, they're going to be able to keep them in football games, but I'm not all of a sudden expecting a turnaround at this point offensively. And while I do not want to see Matt Canada back in 2023, he's going to finish the season. We know that much. And I I just don't know how you can expect to see all of a sudden, like a leap, you know, from, from and it's not just Matt Canada. And that's what I wanted to say before we, You know, move on from this point. Like Kenny has not played well. The playmakers have not played well. This is big picture stuff that we're talking about.
0: Well, I just want to put this out there. Anybody who thought Canada was going to be fired mid season Mm -hmm. has—they just don't understand how the Steelers operate, or most of the NFL for that matter. There's rarely times, and I understand that the Colts did it this week. I I get it, but there's rarely times that a coordinator is fired midseason. let alone the Steelers doing it. The Steelers do not operate like that whatsoever, so anybody who thought Canada could have been fired after that game, they were just kind of holding on to false hope because it was was never going to happen. If it's going to happen, he'll get fired in December. Not December. This isn't college football. He'll get fired in January, but he's not going to get fired in November of the mid-season.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, too, what what was getting lost in the Colts thing, he, Marcus Brady was not their play caller. He's still Frank Reich, so while he was having a hand in putting together the offensive game plan and stuff, he's not the one that was calling plays, so that's much easier to, to move on from. Frank Reich, like
0: the future than, offensive coordinator for the Steelers. Very possible.
1: Um, but as as far as like the Matt Canada thing, it was never worth even having a conversation about, I feel like him them moving on from him until the bye week. Like, if you want to start having conversations about the bye week because you have an extended period of time there, so be it. I I mean, we still knew it wasn't going to happen, but if people wanted to throw out the idea, that was literally the only possible time that it would. So, but obviously it's not gonna happen. I, I don't think that he will be back for that third and final year of his contract. I don't know how he could be. There's no way for them to justify it but he, he's going to make it through this season. Um, this is the second time this year we've had the backup QB play against us voluntarily. That's just very sad. Yeah, I mean, you're talking 10 minutes left in this football game, and we see Gardner Minshew and some backups come out. So <sighs> you don't see that. You just do not see that in today's NFL. Regardless of what the story is, very rarely we see. I mean, you got Jason Kelsey wearing a, a Batman mask on his face. Like, they were having a good old time
0: this entire right. fourth quarter. Well, I mean, um, you, you just could do that against this team because there's no threat of the offense making a comeback,
1: yeah, I, I I know yeah, I know, and it's just like I almost it is like a slap in the face to the Steelers, but like good. they they deserve for that to be the case. So I have no problem with the Eagles doing it, but yeah, it is very sad that we are at this point where you can a team can throw their backups out there for an entire quarter. Um, Kenny really does get so unlucky with some of these ints. yeah, I mean, I put this out there it just does not seem like if a ball gets tipped, it's getting intercepted. Like how many times do you see? I you think
0: know, those Patrick, should be a different category.
1: Yeah. I mean, how many times do you see Patrick Mahomes or Aaron, like these guys that don't throw them at interceptions somehow get away with this stuff, you know, Tua four, almost interceptions against us on Sunday night football. Didn't throw a single one. Then you right. have, you know, ones that Kenny's throwing right now. And again, Kenny has not been good. Don't know how many times I need to say this, but he's also been incredibly unlucky to go along with not being good, which certainly doesn't help when you just look at that touchdown interception ratio. Um, let's, Let's just parlay this and talk. Great, great ending Sarge, because now we can just talk about Kenny Pickett. That was a great way to, to, to end your notes. Um, Yeah, you mentioned uh, when I asked for your initial thoughts that you thought this was Kenny Pickett's worst game and it probably coming off what we considered the worst game before this on Sunday Night Football against Miami. I guess that's where it gets a little bit concerning is because you're now seeing like regression at this point. Like you're not talking about a flat line. You would expect to see him getting better and better. That has not been the case the, the last two weeks. And I understand you look at the teams that he's played against these are very good teams that he's playing against. You think about the offensive coordinator that's strapped to him. You think about the playmakers not play, making making plays. You look at the offensive line playing their probably worst game on Sunday against Philadelphia as well. There, so there was a lot of things going against him here. But even when he had a clean pocket, he was not very good. He only had two completions longer than ten yards. If you look at his passing chart, it was abysmal. You know, clean mm-hmm. pocket or not, he was not good on Sunday. He was not making throws. A lot of times, it wasn't like throwing he was the ball throwing... deep either a lot of times it would look like he was throwing the ball away even if he wasn't um you mentioned he wasn't throwing throwing the ball deep like at all you know it, there was a lot of bad things on tape from Kenny Pickett on Sunday and um you know it's not just the offensive coordinator like it, it's it's this offense as a whole and he also we're going to talk about it a little bit I'll just just lost one more weapon you know so um i i really think that uh, they need to to sit down this bye week and and figure out how to make things easier on Kenny Pickett, because again, this one's a little bit out of his control. Maybe it's only because of game script—the way these games have gone. He can't be—you don't want your rookie quarterback throwing the ball, you know, 45 times a game.
0: Yeah, and and that's something that may be because of, like you said, game script. Like you can't know going into the game he's going to throw that many times. Yeah. And, and just the fact that they're down so much in some of these games—that's just kind of the natural way that the games progress—is the quarterback's going to be throwing a lot if you're down. That that being said. I feel like some of the decision-making with the football is what is the most concerning to me. And now I, I'm not overly worried about Kenny Pickett. I mean, this was what his fourth start for the Steelers. I, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be really dramatic about it and say that he's a bust already or anything like that. This, I'm far from that. I, I just think that when you look at like how the games progressed, who the games were against, what he's working with on offense – there's just a lot going against him. Now, I'm trying not not trying to make an excuse for Kenny Pickett, but I, I do think there is a lot working against him. That being said, a lot of that decision-making and reading the, the field and everything, that's all on him. So that's where he needs to improve. And I feel like a lot of that might improve as well in the back half of the schedule where he's not facing uh, such a tough gauntlet of games as a starting quarterback. I mean, he's going to be over that stretch. He's going to be placing facing teams like the Falcons, the Saints, the Colts. Uh, Those are just some that are popping into my head. Panthers. Yeah, so there's going to be some down teams that I think you're going to be able to see Kenny progress a little bit more, but also I feel like in those games you're not going to be as far behind or at least hopefully you're not as far behind. And so that that way Kenny's not going to have to throw the ball enough. And a lot of that also as well, even if you wanted to run the ball more, The Steelers aren't running the ball well enough to really make it effective in the offense as well. So unless Najee starts running the ball more or if they want to just start giving Jalen Warren some more run in some of these future games, I I feel like you're not going to really get help on the other half of the offense when it comes to like Kenny not throwing as much. Cause sometimes you might need to throw more just because that's the only effective way to move the ball.
1: Yeah. But I think too, it's like if you are going to throw as many times as they are, they got to be high percentage throws, you know, like throwing to these, these deep posts or these out routes, whatever, like whatever they're doing right now, these low percentage throws to the sidelines where like Pickens almost makes an incredible catch or can't get two feet in, or he does make an incredible catch. It gets rolled incomplete and we don't challenge it. Um There's just, yeah, you mentioned it there, you know, there's a lot of things that are working against him, but I think, you know, for somebody that doesn't have the greatest arm strength, like a Kenny Pickett. You have to be, and it's why we expected him to succeed at this level, at least, you know, to be an average guy, to be a a game manager, is the accuracy and his ability to go through progressions. Unfortunately, neither one of those things are really showing up right now. And for a lot of reasons, including himself. So you got to take a deep look in the mirror here during this bye week, come out against the Saints, completely new game plan. Don't expect that to happen. Um, and find a way to put this guy in a position to succeed. Find a way to put this offense in a position to succeed. They're not going to magically be able to run the ball for a hundred yards a game like that. That's just not happening. So, to your point, when you're not able to run the ball, how do you stay in a football game if you're not throwing forty plus times a game? Um, but they they got to find a way to do it because you can't have Pickett throwing forty five plus times every single week.
0: No, you can't. I mean, to me, if you want to just talk about the run game for a second. I, yeah. I'm ready to – I'm not saying Jalen Warren is the better running back by any means, but as of right now, I think he's the more effective running back, and a lot of that is coming towards the end of the game where it's out of hand anyway. But mm-hmm. even in the middle, in the beginning of the game, if Jalen Warren gets a run, I like the way Jalen Warren is running more than Najee Harris. Najee's way too hesitant to me. He's trying to, like, dance too much, and I go back to that that play that it should have been a first down. Instead, it, it ends up being a no game. And it drove me nuts because it's like, Najee, catch the football, put your foot in the ground, and just get forward and get the two yards. That's all he had to do. There's no excuse as to why he didn't get that first down. And that's something that I see Jalen Warren do is he doesn't really think too much. He just puts his foot in the ground and goes. So that's something that I would look to change in the run game. Not that you necessarily have to do a 50-50 split or give Warren the majority of the carries is all I'm saying, but give him more than five carries a game. I, I think he's deserved that, and a lot of that is just the style of running and how he's running the football, not even just looking at the stats-wise. I just like what I'm seeing visually from how he runs.
1: Yeah, I, so I agree. I think he needs the ball more than he has. I think also because I don't care what Najee says, he's clearly not 100%. And I'm not using that as an excuse. If he's not going to use that as an excuse, I can't use that as an excuse for him. He has not been good. Well, I, I can't use
0: it as an excuse for that specific play I'm talking about. And everybody knows the play I'm talking about. I, I, that injury has nothing to do with that.
1: No, but what I was going to say is as far as Jalen Warren goes, yes, he has looked more effective. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Chris Carter locked on Steelers in Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and Josh Carney as well. Uh, we're talking about he's not facing stacked boxes at all, unlike Najee Harris who is facing stack boxes pretty much every time he's on the field. And it's because defenses still aren't respecting that Jalen Warren could carry the ball. Anytime they see Jalen Warren on the field, they think it's an obvious passing situation and you're seeing light boxes for Jalen Warren. So they're able to take advantage of that. So he's looked like a much more effective running back. I mean, he obviously looks more healthy when the ball is in his hands anyway, when he gets the second and third levels, but at least for, you know, I, I don't think it's telling the entire story, I guess, is what I'm getting at by Jay, the way that Jalen Warren has looked as opposed to Najee Harris, because one is facing stack boxes literally every time he's on the field and the other one is not
0: ever. Yeah, but you don't, know, you don't know what Warren's going to look like with a stack box if he hasn't been facing him. He yeah. might just hit the hole harder. Uh, but part of the but we also don't not... know
1: what Najee's going to look like when there's not.
0: Yeah, but you're never going to get that scenario. Anytime Najee is the field, you're going to get you're you're going to get a stack box until Warren, they
1: start being able to pass the ball. Yeah,
0: right. But if Warren doesn't have a stack box, then you're going to be able to do that until they start stacking the box. And since we don't haven't seen that, you don't know what it's going to look like because mm-hmm. it, it it might it might be worse. I mean, it probably will be worse with a stack box compared to what he's beginning right now. But that doesn't mean it's going to be worse than what Najee's been doing with a stack box because part of the reasons Najee's so bad right now is because he's too damn hesitant he he needs to just make a decision and go that that's what drives me nuts about watching nausea right now is he's he's trying to make too many decisions all at once just make one and go if it works great if it doesn't oh well try it next down but mm-hmm. that, that's the reason why warren to me just using the eye test despite him having a stack box or not whether I think he's a stack box or it's more opened up, I still think he's going to be running the same way, which is why I would rather give him more run.
1: Yeah. I just, I think when like people, and I know that you literally started talking about this by saying, you don't think he's the better player. He's just looked more effective right now. I'm I'm, for the people that are saying that Jalen Warren is the better running back. I just want them to take that into consideration. That's all I'm saying, because I do think that Jalen Warren should get more run. I would like to see what happens when he is in there you know, in, in like for like non, I'm sorry, obvious running situations when p- teams do have to feel like he is a threat to run the football. I, I would like to see how that plays out. Um, but I definitely uh, do not think that Najee Harris is hundred percent regardless of what he says. Uh, let's talk about um, the trades now with the trade deadline passing. So it's funny because literally the teaser for our show last week was about Claypool, not getting traded, but, And we were we got some comments about it afterwards, like, oh, what happened? Well, the thing is, too, like, maybe I should have included what we said right before. It wouldn't have been as, you know, enticing for people to watch. But I literally said, if the Steelers could get a second round pick, they would do it. The reason that you and I felt like they weren't going to trade him is because we didn't think that this type of deal would be on the table, you know, a projected top 45 pick. Literally the the beginning of the
0: clip that you posted, I said mm-hmm. he's not worth the value that he was taken at. So they're not mm-hmm. going to get it.
1: Yeah. So that part I was wrong. It.
0: But <laughs> but yeah. it, we, that was the reasoning is we didn't think we were going to get a potential top 10 second round pick.
1: Yeah. So they do from the Chicago Bears. Um, and it's Chicago's own second round pick because there was some talk about that as well. Like, is it the Ravens one they just got for Roquan? Yeah, that's how you go the yeah, because like, so Albert Breer was the first one to report on what the compensation was, but he said the wrong pick. So, you know, everybody's like, oh, it's the, the Ravens second round pick. And then it's like, no, it's not. It's the Bears own second round pick. So literally my Twitter was just going in a circle um, when that trade came out. But um, yeah, I'm I'm a little surprised that Chicago was willing to part with that pick. Um, obviously it doesn't mean much for them this year. I don't think Chicago is necessarily in a position to compete. This is more so about Justin Fields development and, and finally getting him another weapon besides Darnell Mooney to throw to, um, I kind of like the deal, um, for, for both sides, even though I think it's a little bit of an overpay by Chicago, they probably had to do so to keep him from green Bay. That's kind of what it sounds like. They had an offer from green Bay on the table. Chicago knew that they had to, to ante up, um, that pick in order to get it done. And they were desperate for this. So while I do think it's a little bit of an overpay, I do like the move. I think that Chase Claypool is a better player than what we've seen the last year and a half, but he's not the player that we saw in his rookie year either. I think he's somewhere in between there. This is a great spot for him though, because he could be a featured player in that offense. Pittsburgh does not use their slot weapons, which was where he was being played here. He also gets to be super close, as close he could be in the NFL to Notre Dame, his alma mater. I just think it's a great landing spot for him in total. And for the Steelers, you get a very valuable pick in what looks like all of a sudden, you know, like I, they're two and six right now. You can't just be like totally naive to your situation. You need to to bring in talent and having three picks probably in the top 45 is the way to do that. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about this trade. Definitely from the Steelers perspective, I'm not like a super don't get me wrong. I want them to win every football game, but this is going to be a very interesting, probably the most interesting draft that we've covered <laughs> by the time that it's all set and done. So I'm very interested to see how this thing whole thing plays out. But if you're the Steelers, you got to feel pretty good about getting the pick that you did for one year of Chase Claypool, being that he was, to your point, drafted 49th overall when he was in 2020.
0: Yeah, I, I was surprised, more yeah. or less. Like I, I was shocked that the Chicago was giving up not just a second-round pick, but their own pick, so it was going to be even higher. And I was also mm-hmm. surprised that the Steelers made the move. Now, when I saw what the pick was, I wasn't as surprised, but with the news that Calvin Austin third was going to be out for the remainder of the season, I didn't think they would make a move with Claypool just because who were we throwing to mm-hmm. at, at receiver? Like, you have George Pickens and Deontay Johnson, but after that, you got Steve Sims, Miles Boykin. Like, there's a big drop-off, even from Claypool. And so I was I was shocked whenever I learned about the pick but I, I do think I agree with you. I I think it's great for both sides. From Chicago's perspective, I, I think that you're you're making a trade and, and and kind of similarly for how people drafted Clay like the Steelers drafted Claypool, they're kind of also trading for with a draft mindset of somebody that has great traits that that just hasn't planned out with those traits yet. Um if you still want to look at it, like I I look at it that way. I think they look at the receiver that Claypool could be based off of his traits and still think that they could develop that to him as well as getting a weapon for Justin Fields. Now for the Yeah, they got to find
1: out if Justin Fields is the guy.
0: You know, yeah. that's what this is all about. And giving him a 6'5 wide receiver is is, is, is going to help with that. Um, now, with the Steelers' perspective, it, it, it's amazing. Like you said, this is going to be the most interesting draft we've covered, especially if the Bears – could. Cont- I, I hope Bears are one of the worst teams in the league from here on <laughs> out, just to keep that going higher. Um but to have a top 45 pick, potentially top 10 in the second round, so like 43 and up pick. Right now, it's the 43rd pick. If they were drafting today, that mm-hmm. that's awesome to to really have that draft capital. And whether people want to say it or not, Steeler fans want to say it or not, we are in a bit of a rebuild right now. And the best way to do that is to get capital for that rebuild. So to get a potential top 10 first round pick, you're going to get your own second round pick was or. or or potential top 10 first round pick because the team stinks. Steelers stink. Let's just face it. You're going to eat your own second round pick, which will also be high. And then a bear second round pick that will be high. That's a great way to do it. Surprised it happened, but especially during the season, but I'm happy that it happened just because of the value of the trade.
1: Yeah. So from the going back to the Bears perspective, again, if nobody knows their offensive coordinator, his name is Luke Getzey. He's actually he was at Pitt, played football at Pitt for two years, Um, but he is the offensive coordinator for Chicago. His resume, he was his previous stop, the passing game coordinator and quarterback coach of the Green Bay Packers. So obviously had a good bit of success there. Pretty highly touted, and Chicago was, was able to take him away from a division rival. So worked with Aaron Rodgers there, obviously started off helping uh, develop Jordan Love a little bit. But the the plan here, from what I've understood, and I don't know if you guys know Jacob Infante at all, covers the Bears, we follow each other on Twitter, we went back and forth talking about this deal. And from their perspective, the guy that they were always talking about trying to emulate from Green Bay was Alan Lazard. Which is kind of funny because it's not like he's like a superstar player, but what he offers is inside out versatility similar to Chase Claypool. Like we've seen him play on the outside, we've seen him play on the inside, we've seen him have much more success in Pittsburgh on the inside. But can, you know, Justin Fields and Luke Getze and being in a new system that can actually push the ball down the field, maybe unlock some of that on the outside for Chase Claypool as well. We will see, but I definitely understand after talking to him more about this deal, why Chicago was so, you know, like like pounding the table to get a guy like Chase Claypool there.
0: Yeah. yeah. I I think it makes sense. And it, it's really funny if that's what the Bears did was like just dodge the Packers or or jump on jump above the Packers. Mm-hmm. Just just really ironic there. Especially cuz Aaron Rodgers is throwing to nobody. What's well, essentially had, the same no deal however. on the table.
1: It's just Pittsburgh feeling like Chicago's going to finish with a worse record and take right. a better pick.
0: Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. So
1: if, if Chicago somehow does finish better than Green Bay, Pittsburgh kind of swung and missed by taking Chicago's deal as opposed to Green Bay's. But, you know, it's a calculated risk.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, I was surprised the Steelers made one trade, let alone two. So, yeah, very close. In proximity as well, like immediately
1: after you know the details come out about the return for the Claypool deal, we find out the Steelers acquired William Jackson the third. Now this is so funny because it's just such a Steelers thing. Like as soon as they're linked to a name, it doesn't matter how many years ago, they're kind of always on their radar. So 2016 draft, William Jackson was the guy that I had circled as this is going to be their first round pick. Cincinnati one pick in front of them takes William Jackson the third. Kind of, you know, no, we're not in that room. We have no idea what happened during that, but it just, from the outside looking in, looked like the Steelers just went into a fire drill mode. We're scrambling around, picked a cornerback's name out of a hat, and it was already Burns. And so that's who we ended up with our first round pick in 2016. I had no clue who this guy was. That was kind of like the first year that I started like getting into the draft a little bit. 2017, I was like real heavy into it and kind of have been since then. 2016, I was paying a little bit of attention. Obviously, like I said, William Jackson the third was kind of my guy and one pick away from it happening. So ever since then, he's kind of been on the Steelers' radar and for it to come full circle now where it, they make this deal. And with the situation that was going on in Washington, he hasn't been healthy. He hasn't been that good. Um, basically a free player for the Steelers. I mean, you're swapping conditional sixth and seventh round picks in 2025. Uh, So, you you know, you got him for essentially nothing here. But this goes back to the conversation that we were having about Akello. For the team to go out and acquire a cornerback, you know, a week after benching Akello Witherspoon and replacing him with James Pierre, and then for, you know, Terrell Austin and also um, Grady Brown, the the defensive back coach, to talk about it's reasonable to expect him to start against the saints i mean you know what a <laughs> that's just one indictment i think of where they're at with a witherspoon at this point you know because i i really do think we're gonna see william jackson play immediately
0: well it's, especially with william jackson hasn't practiced with the steelers yet and they're already saying he's gonna start yeah. they haven't they haven't seen him play a snap with the steelers and he's gonna start i mean yeah kello's been like you said up and down all season a lot of times he's been in good position And he just hasn't made a play on the ball. And other times he has just looked really bad, including this most recent Eagles game, which got him benched. So Mm -hmm. it's hard to blame the Steelers for wanting to make a trade like this, especially when it's such a low risk option. He's not making a lot of money this year. And I mean, there is an option next year for 12 and 12 point something million. Yeah, that's not going to happen. But for this year, it's super low risk. Doesn't really matter for the Steelers. And if anything, it just gives you more depth in that cornerback room and potentially a starter in that cornerback room. William Jackson hasn't had a great year so far, but he could turn it around in Pittsburgh with better play from the secondary overall in Pittsburgh. Yeah. It's
1: a different scheme too. They're going to, they ask our cornerbacks to do different things, especially when you have the pass rush back. Like we're going to now that TJ Watts gonna be back on the field, you know, you're not going to be asked to do as much as he was being asked to do in Washington. Um, but yeah, I don't expect that 12 and a half million dollar option to be picked up. If he is good, I think that they would try to work out something else. He's not making 12 and a half million dollars next year. There's no way. Um, But it is nice to see, like, this guy wanted to be in Pittsburgh, He, you know, waived his bonuses, his per game bonuses and everything the rest of the way. And he also said, like, the the reason that the language was the way it was for the deal and he wasn't released and he was traded was Washington knew he wanted to be in Pittsburgh and kind of had to like they were willing to make that work. So, you know, shout out to both sides for getting that done and shout out to him for wanting to be a Pittsburgh Steeler, you know, after uh, five years of not being able to be. So finally made it happen. Um but, yeah, I, I, so th- now they have their bye week, so we don't have to give a game prediction um, for this one yet. We will talk about previewing so the Saints before. Yeah, the bye week got this one. Um, and, and, I, I again, it, it's, it's fair to expect that they are going to – like this is what – this is supposed to be a reset for everybody. We're going to see a little bit of a, a different defense when they step back onto the field. From the offensive side of the football, this bye week just needs to be about simplifying things because, I mean, it's already a very simple offense, but it needs to be – I don't even know how to word this and make it make sense. Honestly, everything needs to come easier for Kenny Pickett the next time they take the football field because he is trying to do way too much right now in an offense that there is absolutely no complexity to. So,
0: well, I mean, and and maybe the offense has to simplify as well around Kenny Pickett. I don't, maybe that's a, it's a blind or an an ignorant take on it. I don't, I don't really Mm. know that well, but maybe part of the reason that, Kenny's not performing well is the offensive scheme they're running right now. Maybe they just need to simplify things across the board.
1: Smitty Scoops has something for you, actually. And everybody listening and watching this. Um, So this was before Chase Claypool was traded, and, and he wasn't the one involved in it, so it has nothing to do with him necessarily. But everybody's talking about Matt Canada. I will say that, like, I don't think he will be back in 2023. One coach that I can basically guarantee you won't be is Frisman Jackson, the wide receivers coach. I think he's lost the room. Because Interesting. the last wide receiver meeting, a certain wide receiver said that how is it that you don't teach us anything? Literally. While they were watching some tape, he said, You teach us nothing, called him, and this is going to be very funny because of the way that we use the word, called him a simp and walked out of the room.
0: Interesting. I and now I'm all I'm only thinking about who said that. <laughs> but it, it
1: was one of the wide receivers. It's probably it, it's not one that I feel like you would think. So
0: I mean, I my immediate reaction is uh George Pickens, but I don't know. I'm, nope. I'm but, telling
1: you, it's not one that you would think. So, but anyway, I don't want to get into a whole guessing game and and people being well, people are gonna get try to guess who it was anyway. But I just yeah, I'm telling you right part. now, that is one me, person
0: I know it's not is Gunnar Oshevsky. I, I don't see Gunnar Olszewski calling him a simp. That's not country enough for it.
1: <laughs> um, But to me, that's like the one. The only way that, that well, works,
0: if Gunnar Olszewski called him a simp and then spit some of his dip on his foot or something, That that's yeah. the only way
1: it would work. And now Chase is going to have to find somebody else to get him some. some yeah, uh, he's got to get a new
0: plug. But yeah. talk about the back half of the schedule, just to wrap things up. There's some winnable games. After the bye week, I mean, we named some of the games already, like the Saints, Falcons, uh, Panthers, Colts, and then who's the other non-divisional Ravens. game in there? Oh. Raiders, Raiders. But you yeah. play the Raiders twice, Bengals and Browns. Bengals and Browns are both at home. So uh, w- divisional games, even with how bad the team is, those are always up in the air for what's how the game's going to play out. And then you've got some lesser opponents on the schedule as well. Now, I, I know I've said this over the past couple of years, and I, but I genuinely mean it this time. I would prefer if the Steelers may, remain bad, like stay bad. I, I would love to see some progression from Kenny, but also lose the stupid game because, uh, listen, I, 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 this might sound bad, but I, I'm at the point right now where the team is bad enough that I just want them to remain bad. It's gonna make me so frustrated if they're going to perform well enough to get to like seven and ten or eight and nine i I would be livid if that happened because mediocrity is so stupid in the NFL um but there's definitely some winnable games and I'll just leave it at that
1: well, I am hoping that they win every game still on their schedule if they win every game that would probably put them in the playoffs now though. you're so a simp okay. I, how, I'm not going to root. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I'm going to root for them to win every single game, regardless of what it means okay. for the draft position.
0: All right. So you're a Pittsburgh Steelers We're, fan for this year, not their future. I get it.
1: That what if that pick sucks? What if the player they use that pick on sucks? Even though they're there's picking a high.
0: higher chance that it'll be a better player, the probability is better
1: if they're picking where as opposed to where.
0: Top ten to top twenty. You're picking different caliber players.
1: That's not true at all. The top five is different. They NFL executives say from pick 10 to pick like 32, you're pick, picking basically the same player. So unless they're picking like top inside the top. So 10, you're telling me the number one
0: mm-hmm. tackle compared to the number five tackle is the same. Basically. Yeah, that's not true. We've seen from just, several drafts. It's not true.
1: Who? But because the player that you're saying is the number one tackle Who was the number one tackle last year, in your mind, going into it? Evan Neal? I don't even
0: remember the draft last year.
1: Was it Evan Neal? Because Charles Cross, who was the number three tackle on most people's boards, has been the best tackle.
0: I'm just saying, I'd rather have the higher draft pick.
1: Than make the playoffs.
0: Uh, Yeah.
1: I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing here, then? If we're not rooting for the Steelers (laughs) to make the playoffs, what are we doing?
0: I would re- – they're not going to make the playoffs.
1: But I just asked you the question, though, and you said you'd rather have the high draft pick than to make the playoffs.
0: This year, yes, I would. Because you're starting new. You're talking I, about last year of Ben than whatever. This year, yeah, honestly.
1: And the thing is, most people obviously agree. I literally just quoted something from Filippone who put up a poll. 66% of the people would rather have a top five pick than make the playoffs.
0: I mean, win the division, it is. make the playoffs.
1: So not only they would also be hosting a playoff game in that case.
0: Well, that that has shown that that doesn't matter for the Steelers. They've lost the last few games they've hosted.
1: No, I'm just say, I'm saying like it's another game in Pittsburgh, like to go to and stuff. Like just
0: it's another game. Well, in I'm the not city. going into it, so I don't care. <sighs>
1: I just I I can never be in the mindset of wanting my team to lose any football game like they used to not even like this. They can literally be uh, okay, Yeah. But but now being an adult, a mature drone adult, kind of uh, week in and week out, I'm rooting for the Steelers, regardless of what their record is. If they I, I mean, I'll tell you this right now. If they are in the last game of the season and they need to lose to get the number one pick and if they win, it messes it up. I still want them to win that football game
0: we we just think differently
1: i know and i like i said the majority of the people at least on that pool agree with you and that's fine i just i can i will never root for them to lose a game regardless of what it means for draft position i'll take my chances um all right well that that's uh unless you have anything else we'll uh, stop football talk and switch gears to a worse team no somehow Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins are on a six game losing streak. They've only gotten one point in those six games. And in that game, they blew a five, two lead to the Boston Bruins. Um, I don't even know where to begin with this team because like my issue on the surface is really like, so let's start with people that are bashing the team first and foremost, like the reasons that they're bashing the team. It doesn't fall on the core. You know, the people they brought back, those have been their best players still. The reason that this team is playing the way they are right now is the regression of Brian Dumoulin, them bringing in a well-past-his-prime Jeff Petrie and not doing anything about the bottom six, and also the goalies haven't been good. I feel like that's getting overlooked, but every once in a while, I know that everything has kind of gone wrong in front of them. You're allowed to make a save, and they have not gotten that in this recent stretch either. Um, but to me, like you can't blame them bringing back Crosby, Gino, and Latang for the way that this season has started and this recent stretch has gone because they have not been the problems through it.
0: No, I mean, sure they they've made some mistakes in game, but overall their main problems have been some of the play from some guys on the bottom six and the guys you named on defense, and some of the goaltending a little bit. But
1: I mean, Brian dumlin has been on the ice for 41 goals against already this year.
0: 41? I thought it was like 19.
1: I I, I just saw a thing today. Actually, I mean, let me
0: see. Although it's 19, I thought it was like 19 before like the last like game or two. Maybe well, I'm I wrong. would hope
1: that it wouldn't go up that much. Uh, I don't think that's possible.
0: I don't think that's mathematically possible. But I mean, Brian mm. Dumoulin's bad. Go figure. Who 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 could have told you that? Us along with literally anybody else that knows anything about hockey. Brian Dumoulin is bad. We've been saying it for two years. It, it is what it is. The Penguins kind of like dug their graves with this one. Uh, and, and what do they do with it? How, how do you how do you get out of it?
1: Wait, has the team given up 41 goals? Is that what that is?
0: Uh, it's, I have not. You're asking the wrong person. Okay, well, because I
1: see that. So I see the thing about being on the ice for 19 goals against, but that was before yesterday's game. So, like, add that to it, and that's probably... What, I mean, 21? Find out right now. You think there, or, he had to be on the ice for more than two goals
0: against yesterday, dude? I don't know. I'm just guessing. I, I'm trying to be...
1: <laughs> it's, uh... I don't even know how to look at that honestly because it wouldn't just be his plus minus. No. But cuz he was only a minus 1.
0: I know he was on the go- ice for at least two two goals against. I mean but every I mean, time
1: that the opposing team scores I feel like I look at the ice and he's on it. Nonetheless. What do oh. you Yeah, you definitely can't look at that because if it's on the power play for the other team.
0: If if the Penguins like like what did, how do they get out of the situation with him? What are they supposed to yeah. do?
1: I mean so I don't know. I, I think that everybody should probably uh, read Jesse Marshall's latest article where he kind of talks about it. And also Hunter Hodes was talking about it. Really, the only possibility that I see other than not playing him, you know, and bringing up Ty Smith, I think you got to put POJ up with Latang and kind of shelter Brian Doomlin in third pairing minutes with Jan Ruda. That is the only solution that I that I see with him still playing. And you can't play him on the pe- like. It, it's like literally that point of sheltering where it's not even worth it. Like, I, I think that the, the the solution to this is just bringing up Ty Smith and having he POJ. Should play like,
0: he should play like five minutes a night if he's going to play. But in, so and bad. what's the
1: point of that? Like, exactly. Like, you're you're not doing anything by playing him five minutes a game.
0: Well, they're definitely not doing anything by playing <clears> him <throat> 20 minutes a game either. They're losing yeah. themselves games. He, he's Rince. been so bad. But but it's not like this is a news to us. This is just a continuation of the past last year. And the, yeah. half the year before that, it's not like this is anything new. But the I, that's why I, I want to know from a Penguins front office standpoint, what do you see in Brian Dumoulin? It can't be a good hockey player. I,
1: honestly, I, I feel like they, they no longer do either. I mean, when you hear Sullivan talking about him competing hard, that's not him saying that he's playing well. Like that is to me him saying he knows he's not getting the results. He knows he's not playing well enough. And it's just, he's not going to say that to the media. He's going to say he's competing hard. So I no longer think it's like this mirage. Man,
0: I miss Jim Rutherford because he would say, this dude must- sucks.
1: <laughs> yeah, you kind of need that outspoken voice right now just to to give us something to talk about. I feel like that's a Brian him, but... Burke
0: thing. Like, he, he should he should just come out and be like, Dumo sucks right now.
1: That, yeah, that, but it is what it is. And you know what, though? Like, Jeff Petrie has been horrible as well. I mean, that that move has not worked out to the pen. Well, and, and the at thing at with Jeff
0: Petrie is, I could I could live with some of his defense defensive inefficiencies if the offense was there. And the offense isn't there right now either.
1: Yeah. I mean especially like again kind of going back to the usage in special teams, like he killed Montreal's power play. So I don't know what the hope was coming to Pittsburgh like I guess playing with more skilled guys, but he is doing absolutely he was doing nothing. Like when we missed uh, Latang for that game when he was sick, and we had Petrie playing on the top power play, that was a disaster. Like that might be the worst that it's looked this year. And that's really saying something. Um, And then, you know, in his own end, just the mistakes that he's making, you know, taking the penalties, always out of position. He played that him and Ruedel somehow ended up on the ice together playing uh, an odd man rush, but they both played it like it was a two on one. I get Ruedel because it was his side of the ice, but Petrie just comes and stands literally next to him and leaves uh, the Bruins player completely wide open. So I just, he's a mess right now. And I don't know if it's just still getting acclimated to the system or what, but we're talking about a mid thirties guy, you know, where it's like fair to question, is he just, you know, is he, is he falling off a cliff?
0: Well, I mean, he looks old, like he looks slow, especially compared to a lot of the young players that are in the league. Now he just looks like a slow player. And how do you shelter that? Uh, I feel like a lot of that has to do with your positioning and everything. And he hasn't had that.
1: (sighs) We brought this guy in to be the the number two right hand D because we didn't see John Marino take the next step, and now we're having conversations about sheltering Hisman. It's along with sheltering Brian Doomland. It's Like, this is this is just a disaster on the back end right now. I think the one positive to talk about probably is POJ looking like he is an NHL defenseman. I think that Marcus was a huge Patterson. question. Yeah, yeah, true, but like, yeah, no, you're right because we talk about Marcus Pedersen quite a bit you know, general consensus still doesn't appreciate how good he is. So, yeah, you're right. That definitely is a positive to take away immediately. But there was a ton of questions about POJ just because we didn't even know if he, you know, is one of their best six options. Should well, they We had no idea him? what
0: the Penguins even thought of him. And yeah. we, we we thought initially that, I mean, I don't even think we thought. We knew initially that he was only up here because Ty Smith could be sent down to Wilkes-Barre and POJ would have to go through the I don't think that that's necessarily wrong to still think that. But I do think that the Penguins are pleasantly surprised with how he's played. And mm-hmm. I am 100 – I said it was it last week or two weeks ago with what I would do with the pairings. Literally put POJ with Crystal Tang and see what happens. You can't keep yeah. putting Doom in there. And in, in the way POJ has played, I think he's deserved the spot to be able to try that out. I, I, just, I just think you are hurting your hockey team if you continue to just roll out the same pairings every single time.
1: Yeah, and they've actually I, – I mentioned the bottom six – Excuse me. They've actually gotten some decent contributions from their fourth line, at least as of late. You know, especially like Josh Archibald's potted a couple goals here. Ryan Paling's made the plays to score those goals. Um, I thought Brock McGinn had a really strong game against Boston. Um, so like that fourth line actually hasn't been that bad. But the third line, I mean, with, with Drew O'Connor, especially like Jeff Carter's out. But like even when he was playing, they weren't good. Dayton Heinen and Kasperi Kapanen. They played nine minutes in that in the second half of that back to back and for you to have that little confidence in them, and rightfully so because they were awful when they were on the ice, mm-hmm. that's just not – you're not getting enough. And that goes back to you look at some of these contracts. When you tie up $10 million in Jeff Carter, Brock McGinnon, and Kasperi Kapanen, these are the results that you're getting from your bottom six, what we're seeing right now. So the issue wasn't bringing back Geno and signing Brian Rust to his extension and bringing back Crystal Tang and signing Ricard Raquel. Those have been the guys that have produced for them. The issue is the money that they spent elsewhere and the condition that it left their bottom six in.
0: Yeah, I mean, over this losing streak, Dayton Hyden hasn't looked great, but I'm able to live with it more because he's only on a $1 million contract. It's not as big of a deal. I, and I, I still think that he's still a decent player. Well, and you saw you saw
1: what he did, you know, when they bumped him up right. to his top two lines. So. I mean, Kapanen
0: has scored one goal in the opening game, and then he hasn't, he hasn't done anything since.
1: He has he, three goals going back he, to... He
0: barely has the puck on his stick, ever. Yeah, and, and, and so it, it makes sense that they're not going to play a lot because literally they don't do anything. They, when they're on the ice, it's kind of like they're just coasting. They're not really going through any. They're going through the motions. They're not going through the game and really trying that hard or really doing anything productive, whatever. And not that they always do something negative when they're on the ice, and they don't they always do something negative, but they also don't do anything productive, and especially like captain out there. Like I said, he scored the one goal and then decided, all right, that's good. I'm out. I I, I don't get it. I don't know what you I, do.
1: Yeah, I, I I don't ever want to question a guy's, you know, desire or fire on the ice or anything like that. But, like, I would sit him for a game. Like, what, what is he doing right now that Sam Pullen couldn't come in and do or something like that, you know? Like, and see if that sparks something in him. Because. I mean, I could skate around right and not get the puck. <laughs> what I, he's I, giving you, but it's also not just like looking lackadaisical or any, like, it's the... he's literally making bad plays. So, not only is he not doing anything, he's throwing no look passes behind his back to the middle of the ice for the other team to take the other way on a three on two and put in the back of the net. He is making bad plays, not just making any plays.
0: Speaking of the back of the net and goaltending, um, yeah, the goaltending overall hasn't been terrible, but in some of these games in this recent stretch, I feel like. There's times where, despite what's playing in front of them, I know it hasn't been great. You got to get a save too. And yeah, this Smith I, I,
1: up goals from like the parking lot. So,
0: well, the Smith he he played last night, right? And and that mm-hmm. some of those goals were pretty bad.
1: He's reacting when the puck has like already hit the twine. He's moving. Yeah, over.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like I I thought he had a strong start to the season. Kind of regressed a little bit since then. And I get it. Like, the team is playing bad in front of them. I totally get it. But mm-hmm. at times, even if the team is playing bad in front of them, you still think you're going to get a save here or there. And you're just not. And it's not just a Smith either. I mean, Jari's had some no. of those in this losing stretch as well.
1: Jari was uh, m- minus three goals save above expected against Boston in the first half of that back-to-back.
0: Yeah yeah, I mean it's 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 been bad. It's been bad in all facets. And the six game losing streak. Who would have thought the Pirates are the best team in Pittsburgh right now? Uh <laughs> I, I At mean least they're not losing. They're not losing. Um yeah, it's 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 been really tough to watch just because and it's especially because the Penguins will get out to leads and then they just refuse to hold them. Like third yeah. I, I, what I want to know what their goal differential on the third period is over this <laughs> losing stretch. It's got to be really bad. Because the last, I feel like three games in a row have all been third period leads that have been blown.
1: Yeah, and and I think it's gotten to the point now where like, okay, Multi-goal leads too. Yeah. Uh, Most recent case was, you know, Wednesday night um, blowing a 3-1 lead to the Sabres. Um, But I think that it's gotten to the point now, like we're not going to feel comfortable until that final whistle. Like they're going to have to play a 60-minute game and close it out. I don't care what the score is for good reason penguins fans are not going to feel comfortable now until they close out that third period and the game is over at this point they have to do it once like it's gotten that bad because you've seen it happen there was so i saw i think it was bob grove because he's always like the king of putting out these types of stats um they've already lost three games this year where they had a multi-goal lead at any point and the most that they've lost any time since 2015 2016 in a season was four They've already done it three times in seventeen games in the last seventeen games.
0: Pretty bad, pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I, yeah, I don't know what this else to say. But there's really not much, much else to say about this hockey team. It's Just been a I mean, really bad two weeks. Yeah,
1: but okay. So, like, are you are you still hopeful? Like, do you see this? still? Yeah. Like...
0: I mean, okay. I'm still hopeful. Six games out of eighty-two doesn't mean the season's over, especially this early. I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm not gonna think that the team's dead. Although, I I mean, Connor Bedard does sound pretty nice. I
1: I <laughs> yeah. I I I was gonna bring. I was gonna say that if you didn't, was yeah, you're not I, in a tank mode for the Pens quite yet.
0: No, no. Just because I think that's unrealistic. I think it's very realistic for the Steelers.
1: And also, it's not a
0: lottery for them. And listen, just to go back to what I said about the Steelers. <laughs> would I want them to make the playoffs? Sure. But part of me knows answering that question, I can't say yes because i know it's not going to happen. Like i know they're not going to do that.
1: All right, so you that's know they're your not answer going
0: though. To do that. No, yeah. but
1: okay, so that that so that's your answer, but i literally if you knew that they would make the playoffs, if that was the one option and the other option was a top 5 pick. I'm saying those I mean, are the only two possibilities.
0: Sure, i'll i'll take the playoffs just to see them lose in the first round. But for this season specific you're shaking your head. Why, why are you shaking your head, as if, as if that's not because, the option that's going to happen? Because
1: if they got to the playoffs this year, that would have meant they probably went on like a ridiculous win streak to end the season, and they would be playing their best football.
0: Bro, they've won three Mac, playoff games Mac in Canada. 11 years. Opens
1: up the playbook.
0: They've won three playoff games in eleven years. I have no hope for winning any playoff game. <clears throat> All right, I feel like that's a fair assessment, especially <laughs> they've. I mean, I 2000... mean, it's like I said
1: about the Penguins closing out a game. You got to see it happen at this point.
0: Yeah, it, it, exactly. And so, at this point, I, I'm not out of out on the Penguins. It's w- still way too early in the season for that to happen. I still mm-hmm. think they're a good team. I just think they need to figure out a lot of uh, personnel issues that they have right now.
1: I would rather see Poland. I know O'Connor's up here right now, I, I, but like, it's obviously. Well, and that's the <laughs> thing. <laughs> like,
0: they have leads in these games they're just giving them up. These are games that they should win because i, I their two most recent games. They're up 3 to 1 against Buffalo. They're up what, 5 to 2, i mm-hmm. believe, was the yeah, against yeah. Uh, against Boston. You have leads in the third period and you're just blowing them. 3-1 one at one point,
1: the first game of all of this, Edmonton. You had a 3-1 lead in that game. Yeah. I mean, we're going yeah. back quite a bit at this point. We've already talked about that game in the last episode, but they have not won a game since then. So,
0: yeah keep it rolling depending on whenever we record next week's episode next week's episode is going to be weird just because there's no Steeler game to talk about and there could only be like one or two Penguin games the penguins play wednesday so the only if we record on tuesday like we don't normally try to do the only game Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about is the game on saturday against the kraken which by the way a little odd to me that they're getting both games of like a western team out like right away yeah that is interesting the new team um, but but yeah, that that's the only game that's like recent, unless we record after Wednesday. I don't know what next week's gonna be like. I don't remember talking about a bye week with the Steelers or no. what, what's that's like. We're gonna have to yeah. come up with something, or maybe maybe get some questions from the audience. You know,
1: maybe the I mean we can let news dictate it. Maybe something happens in the St- with the Steelers on bye week, and we got something to talk about. So, um, but yeah, for uh, the Pens, five former Penguins on that Kraken team. So anybody that's going to twenty percent of the roster.
0: 25% of
1: Rockler. Several Pittsburgh Penguins on that team. Um, other than that, Tyler mentioned the uh, GoFundMes are going to be in the bio for this, whether you're listening to it on whatever platform, Spotify, Apple, wherever, or if you're watching it on YouTube, those will be in the bio for rocking around the 412, our Christmas mission year five officially underway has been for quite some time. Uh, We really hope that a lot of you guys get involved in this as you have in past years. I mean, last year we raised over $11,000. We were able to help 30 kids across 13 families provide Christmas in its entirety to them. That is what the goal is of this episode. Every single year, also getting the family a $100 gift card to go and get groceries to provide that holiday meal. Every single penny goes to that. And in return, you guys are eligible to win prizes. Everybody that donates at least $10 will be eligible to win those prizes. I've gotten um, some of the stuff so far. We got a Jake Denzel jersey. Uh, We got a jersey for a defenseman that wears number eight for the Pittsburgh Penguins, who I don't want to mention by name. And we got a Cam Hayward jersey. We also have an autographed Jack... um, Ham jersey, and a returner for the Steelers who wears number 89 autographed football so far. There will be a bunch more stuff as well. There will also be Penguins tickets. Um Yeah, there, there will be other stuff as well that gets included. We'll, we'll post on Twitter like anytime that anything gets included to the prize pool. But you got to donate at least $10 to be eligible. At least it wasn't Claypool
0: jersey. That...
1: I know. I gave away a Claypool jersey at the beginning of the year. 200 IQ
0: um, move right there.
1: <laughs> and also, along with Rock Around the 412, one of the recipients will be Isla Keen, uh, my friend Dalton Keen, who passed away his two year old daughter. There's a GoFundMe set up for her specifically as well that's already raised over $33,000, which is unbelievable. You know, if anybody watching or listening to this has been part of that, can't thank you enough, um, you know, on the family's behalf. I know that they're super, super thankful. They're not a very, uh, expressive group of people necessarily. So on their behalf, I can let you guys know that just seeing their reactions to everything that has taken place since that um, they are very thankful for everything that people have done for them. So um, but other than that, that's in the bio. So get involved with that stuff uh like and subscribe to the channel leave us a five-star review wherever you can you guys can actually subscribe to the link tree itself as well so that's really cool but however you guys want to get involved comment on the show leave us questions like tyler said because we're probably gonna need some stuff uh to talk about next week but other than that there's many for tyler this is around the Four One Two, and we will talk to you guys next week